Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown, and delighted to be joined here with the magnificent David Amayal, of course, who is an alumni of BTV. I'm always proud to say that. Uh, who needs no introduction from me? He's been magnificent over the years, got his own podcast, his own platform, and of course, is a magnificent resource in Syria. So, I'm here to talk to him about Syria, football in general, mental health, and other things in life. So, it's always a pleasure to have him on. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic talking to you, Phil. Always, I uh, love hopping on the show. BTP was my university podcasting, so thanks. <laughs> Absolutely honored of that. Tell me, uh, what are you up to these days? Your podcast, everything else? What's going on? Yeah, no, Culture Land's been fun. You know, Serie season. You know what? How I like to describe Serie now is, you know, we lost Ronaldo, we lost Lukaku, we lost Conte, we lost Hakimi. But the games are fantastic. It's a lot of fun. The league's really close at the top. We have uh, good teams. The the race, I think we're going to have a title race, although I think Inter are the best team. We have some teams competing with them. We have Juve. We have Mourinho. We have Lazio with Sarri trying to break in the top four. Atalanta's confirmed themselves. So the way I look at it, it's like a great TV show that loses all of its mm-hmm. stars, but they come back with a new cast, not famous people. And you're like, huh, I still enjoy uh, watching this. So that's how I would describe Serie A. And look, even if you just tuned in yesterday, except for the Juve-Napoli game, a lot of the games were a lot of fun, a lot of games, a lot of goals, a lot of drama. So yeah, check it out. It's definitely fun. Well, let's be honest. We support our football clubs no matter what. The first 11 is comprised of, it's much more than that. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's uh, always been, to me, a fantastic league for very different reasons. And yes, you talked about some of the players that have left, but there's also some fantastic ones still there, notably uh, Vlavic, who, of course, is a magnificent young striker. It's been linked around the world, all sorts of football clubs. Fiorentina want a lot of money for him. Uh, he, in some sense, has been compared to Erling Holland. Tell me about Vlavic. How good is he uh, and uh, how likely is it that uh, he will stay at Fiorentina? So I think he's a really, really exciting player to watch, can score in so many uh, different ways. Uh, I think he's a striker that, you know, can fit so many different teams, different formations. I think we've seen with Lukaku how someone, you know, can score a lot of goals in one system and then maybe struggle in another. Vlaovic seems like someone that can do pretty well in different systems. If you look in just the calendar year, 2021, I mean, only Lewandowski scored more goals than him. And Vlaovic did it on Fiorentina, which in the first half of the year were battling to avoid relegation with a manager that was very defensive. And he scored a ton there. And then this summer, Fiorentina went with a manager called Italiano, who plays very exciting brand of football. And he's done a really well so uh, look in a lot of ways I think uh, he checks a lot of boxes Uh, he has an interesting situation because his contract he has just a year and a half left Fiorentina made him an offer to make him you know the highest paid player in club history but he's looking to want to earn a lot more Uh, Juve you know who's always trying to get these players before their contracts expire to set it up you know had talked to him, made him a good offer. He seemed to want to go there. But now it seems he's pricing himself out of Serie A. We're seeing a lot of Serie A teams struggle with uh, big contracts. So my guess is uh, Vlaovic will be sold in the summer, not in January. I think he'll finish the season at Fiorentina. At that point, he'll have just one year left on his contract. I think Fiorentina will try to work 
with his agents that, you know, obviously they get a very good return. But, you know, as always, the, the closer it is to a contract ending, the more the leverage the player has. And Vlaovic's agent absolutely knows that. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I, uh, as someone who covers Serie A, sadly, I think he's priced himself out of the league. Uh, I think the Premier League, you know, looks like a place that makes a lot of sense for him. Let me ask you this, uh, for those who don't watch Serie A, how would you compare him? To, what player would you compare him to if you had, if you had someone in mind? I know it's kind of almost sacrilegious to someone that's around our age, Phil, but when I watch him, I think a little bit of Van Basten. He's mm. like tall, elegant, can score oh, wow. in so many different ways. When you saw when you see him score volleys, he kind of brings me right back to Van Basten, who, you know, to this day is one of the best number nines I've ever seen. This is a guy that Capello told Ibrahimovic, you watch this guy and learn from him so if i had to pick one he would be the one now there's a lot of people have also compared him to holland and i do see that that he can just score in so many different ways but just the way he stands out on the pitch uh, i would say van basten now granted when van basten was dominating Serie A was a league that was of a considerably higher caliber than now i'm just saying more in style and what it looks like if you talked about players that have left Syria, one that could possibly return, uh, of course, is Paul Pogba. And uh, Paul Pogba's got six months left on his contract. It's unlikely that he's going to sign a new deal, or he would have already, I would imagine. Um, and when you look at all the possible destinations for Pogba, outside of PSG, Juventus would be the most obvious to me. Um, is there a possibility that Pogba could return? <laughs> Look, Juve in general, I think, are really shying away from uh, big salaries. Like, look, they uh, the Ronaldo situation, his salary was so high that I think they were willing to take a loss on his transfer fee when they sold the Man United because they're like, we're going to save at least on these wages. So, I, I don't know. I mean, Pogba would have to significantly, you know, whatever Man United's offered him, which I'm sure is a lot of money, Juve's not going to be able to come close. So if he really wants to play for them and go back to Juve, sure. But I think also Juve, and maybe there's a lot of parallels to how Man United has struggled recently. They are also not the most exciting place to go. So I would say had you asked me, Phil, Six months ago or this time last year, I would have said, yeah, there's a decent chance Pogba could go back to Juve. I think now financially he would have to take a really significant pay cut and also realize that it's probably going to be a little while until Juve can be even, you know, an outside contender to win the Champions League and the clear favorite in Serie A. I think that's going to take a few years. Let me ask you a question. Was Pogba a better player before he went to Manchester United or what he is right now? Uh, look, um, he's had some great moments at Man United. I haven't followed him nearly as close as others. But I, look, it's clear to say it hasn't been as great as should have happened or has been expected. He had some really amazing moments at uh, Juve. Uh, I think the player we've seen for France, unfortunately, we haven't seen on Man United as much. So, no, I, I would say he's not quite as good as he was at his peak at Juve. Let me ask you about Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, another player that divides opinion um, these days. Some of the media in England have suggested that United's problems start with him, uh, unable to play in a certain type of system. I mean, I, I find this ridiculous, but I want to ask you your opinion on this. Uh, 
Let me ask you, what was Cristiano Ronaldo know like at Juventus? And um, do you feel that he that the he had his problems are enlarged down to him? So look, uh, there was this narrative that Juve was better when Ronaldo didn't play, that they were essentially built around him. He wouldn't do anything defensively. You had to set him up and that Juve was more fluid when Ronaldo didn't play. Uh, I think we've seen once Ronaldo left Juve how much they've struggled this season. I think with Ronaldo, when they were playing a mid to lower table team, they were basically starting the game 1-0 because you knew he was going to score at least one goal. Now Juve has struggled a lot with these teams. So you think of how many goals Ronaldo scored at Juve. Like he, although he left halfway through, like in August, he still scored the most goals for the calendar year for the club. So look, you know, is he going to be the most team player? Is he more focused on himself? Like we knew that's how he is, but you know, if you live in the U S you know that there's a lot of players that are their own brand and whatnot. And maybe here it's a little more acceptable than in the football world. So I'll tell you as someone who followed all of Ronaldo's time at Juve and at time being critical, now that I see that he's gone, I think a lot of the criticism was exaggerated. Like, is there maybe a little bit to it? Yeah. Even Buffon said, Oh, you know, we had more of a team spirit before Ronaldo, that could very possibly, like I take him at his word, but also you look at how Juve has struggled in so many matches without him, that a lot of the criticism, a lot of the things that you're hearing at him at Man United sound eerily similar to what you heard with him at Juve. So I think if anything that you could fault him is, you know, maybe not picking his best spot where to go next because he ended up being in a very similar situation again. But I think from where I'm sitting, a lot of the same criticism now rings a little bit hollow to me because I see Juve struggling even more without him. Interesting because, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's an old saying, never go back. And uh, I think Ronaldo, in some sense, changed his legacy. Um, by going back because you always remember what's most recent and you know in yeah. some sense it's it's infected Solskjaer as well uh, let me ask you about another player that's made the headlines was relation to Serie A and I try to understand the wisdom behind this which is Lukaku's interview <laughs> of why he did what he did and said what he said listen I can understand oh, I got a lot of thoughts <laughs> well I'm, I'm going to hear I can understand him doing this Dave if there's an imminent move, the Inter Milan, where he's returning, where Inter Milan are close to getting an offer accepted, okay, fine. But when you're sitting here doing this in January with no move on the horizon, I don't understand why you would do something like that. Well, tell me about Lukaku. I'll tell you. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. And first of all, you're right. The I When you look at that situation, there was really no upside to doing that interview unless you're pushing for a transfer move, right? Mm-hmm. And he also limited saying, I want to go back to Inter, which Inter has financial problems. And he totally misread to the situation because Inter's doing better without him. Now, I thought Lukaku was a marvelous player at Inter. I give him a lot of credit for working it out. Zeko has been absolutely superb there. So to me, Lukaku, there was really no upside because Inter fans, like he had to shut down his Twitter account at the end of November because Inter fans were mocking him so much because they got out of the group stage of the CL. They were like, oh, look, we did this without you. So he totally misread that. From where I'm sitting, and I try not to play, you know, psychologist uh, looking at people, and you know him a little bit, maybe you can confirm this. I think Lukaku is someone who genuinely wants people's approval, 
And he left Inter, you know, on not great terms. He had said, oh, I'm staying, I'm staying, took pictures with the new coach, I'm staying. And then he left. And, you know, that wasn't a great way to leave. But look, in transfers, I never take anything said publicly really at their word anymore. I I, kind of believed Lukaku and I feel bad that I did. So I think he felt really bad with what happened with Inter. He wants approval. They made fun of him after they were eliminated in the Champions League. And he's like, oh, let me do this interview not realizing how much this was going to piss off Chelsea fans. It would be like, you know, me, if I, if I just got married and I'm making this whole video on how great my ex-girlfriend is, and it's just not going to come off well. So to me, there was really no upside to doing this. The Inter fans weren't even that receptive to it because they're like, great, thanks, buddy. You left us and now we're even better. Uh, so, yeah, but I think deep down he was just looking for approval. It's important to know the target audience of that interview was Inter fans, but he should have realized that in the Twitter world and whatnot, back in the day, you know, like 20 years ago, if a player gave an interview in a different country, maybe mm-hmm. people wouldn't hear much about it. Nowadays, it's totally different. And as someone who works so much with communication and he has a great team, I'm kind of surprised they misread that whole thing. So to me, it was a little bit of a debacle, but I think deep down, he just wanted the approval of Inter fans. There's so much about it that I don't understand, David, I'll be honest. Um, as you know, I've spent some time with him and he is a really nice guy, right? And what was really bizarre, uh, when he was doing his United Medical, I was talking to him and he didn't want to go, he already wanted to go to Chelsea, right? Um, and Chelsea didn't come in with, with enough money. But when he was coming to the end of his time at United, it wasn't like he was going public and asking to move. In fact, if anything, he stayed quiet and got his move, which Pogba didn't. Yeah. So this is a weird strategy from someone yeah, who I'll tell you. And, has done, yeah. has never done this before. And I'll tell you the other thing too that's interesting is, you know, he changed agents. He yes, he did. Rayola, yes, he and did. Rayola, usually Rayola would have done the dirty work mm. for him. But like, you know, I was buddy, thinking about this. You, you want... You, you want to make a statement? Don't worry, buddy. I'll do it, and I'll take the heat for you. And now he's with Pastorello. I think is a superb Well, because he left Jay-Z, too. Yeah, and he's very different. So, yeah. So, look, there's a lot, but I, I, I think you, you know him. I've never met him personally, but I totally get that he strikes me as just a nice guy who wanted the approval, didn't really think this through, and it was like, oh, Inter fans are going to – be happy and the end result is the Chelsea fans were pissed. Yeah, I interviewed him when he was 17 as well. I've, I've had slow, I, I don't I couldn't say no more. I, I know I've met him a few times and uh actually he's a super super nice guy. It's just really bizarre because um he is someone that I didn't expect this from. Uh I want to ask you about uh Milan and Ralph Ranick Oz because Ranick was supposed yeah. to go to Milan. Uh, and then, of course, doesn't happen. Um, end up they, they back out of it. Um, I want to ask you one was knowing what we know now, was that a mistake? And to why did Milan want him? Very interesting. Look, if we play the results, right? You would say that Milan made the right choice, not going with Ragnet, sticking with Pioli. They did very well with Pioli. Pioli developed a lot of their players, which in a lot of ways is kind of what they were looking for Ragnick to do. But by bringing in Ragnick, they were like, we want you to kind of oversee scouting, help us buy players for cheap, develop them make money, we'll keep some. And then they ended up kind of having in-house someone who helped them develop their own players. So look, if we play the results and we're like, Milan's been good, 
you would say that was the right decision. But I say maybe there could have been even more upside with uh, Rognich. Uh, I think, you know, starting in the middle of the season with Man United is very different than him starting the season from scratch at Milan. Like different expectations at the club. So we can't really say, we can't take what's going on at Man United and say, oh, well, he would have failed at Milan. I have to be honest, although I didn't know a ton about him, I would have been pretty fascinated to see what he would have done in Italy uh, there. So look, for Milan fans, it worked out really well with Pioli. uh, But to me, that doesn't mean that Ragnic would have been a failure at all. I honestly think there's enormous parallels between AC Milan and Manchester United and and a lot of stuff. sure is. I want to ask you about another guy that is fighting to save his reputation. And that is Jose Mourinho. Um, <laughs> because uh, the Jose Mourinho that we know from 2011, 12, 13, when he was in his prime, was exceptional. Uh, yeah. What is going on with Jose Mourinho? Is it possible we'll ever see the Jose Mourinho that we once saw? And, and is it possible he'd be successful with Roma? Look, I think Roma did the right thing hiring him. And the reason I say that is, you know, they had new owners. They wanted to make a splash. I think realistically, there was no other big name manager would have been able to hire. Maybe they could have hired Allegri, but I think to me, Mourinho internationally is a bigger star than Allegri is. He's more recognizable. These are American owners, the Friedkins and the movie business. I think they've done a lot of things really well. So they got a lot of attention with Mourinho. They are about where they were last year. Um, Is Roma quality-wise a top four team? Should they be in the top four? I personally don't think so. I think they they should probably be a little bit better than where they are. But at the same time, this is why you pay Mourinho a ton of money is to help you do a little bit better. The guy they had Fonseca last year was getting you the same results and he was getting paid a lot less. Now, granted, he wasn't giving you the attention worldwide that Mourinho does. You and I wouldn't be talking probably on your podcast about it. So mission accomplished in that sense. So look, I'm not going to kill him for that uh, because again it's not that I think Roma should be much better than where they are but look he alienated all his bench players now a lot of those guys don't really have any transfer value he threw them under the bus Uh, Tammy Abraham's been pretty good especially recently Um, so look you know do I think he'll be Roma's manager this time next year if I had to guess probably not but he's brought them the attention and all. I think at this point he should coach a national team or he should be a pundit on TV. I think he'd be absolutely superb. I'd be you know? a so, box yeah, I think, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if he had a podcast, uh, he'd be putting a lot of us out of business. But, oh, yeah, I know. He'd be box office. He'd be, he'd he'd be really unbelievable. Be, yeah. So, uh, look, uh, I think he, I think for Roma, again, it made sense to hire him and, you know, maybe they can bring in someone and it can be better but yeah uh that's kind of my take on him i'd like to see him on a tv show and a national team i think would be where i think he should be next team the direction this conversation dave you and i of course are massive proponents of mental health i've been quite open about um that and of course being very vocal about my own struggles and everything else tell me uh what has been the last two years been like for you i know today's a special day for you it's the anniversary yeah. of course of your diverticulitis surgery uh you've been through a lot personally physically uh mentally and everything else 
Uh, what's the last two years been like for you? Yeah, no, look, you know, uh, it's been a lot going on uh, in my life. You know, uh, last year, you know, I went through a divorce. I had my first big, huge mental scare of my life. And I was in the hospital for a month with, in the, you know, during COVID last year, I had to have a surgery. I had to colostomy bag for six months, all things that to me would have been impossible to do when I was told, oh, you'll have to go through this. I thought it would be impossible, but, you know, I tried to focus on what I could control, try to be positive, really got into meditation and things like that. And I have to say, you know, my life really turned around in ways I never thought it would be possible. Look, is it always easy? No, Uh, there are some days better than others. But you know, I try to keep the focus on being positive. You know, one thing that I would recommend to people is I try to limit all the negativity in my life. It Mm -hmm. became really, really important for me to do that. Because I think in life, things are gradual. I don't Mm -hmm. think people wake up and are like, I want to wish death on someone on Twitter. Yeah. I think that builds up. I think you're exposed mm-hmm. to a lot of things. And all of a sudden, that becomes somewhat normal. I don't think it just happens out of the blue. So, you know, I can only speak for me. What's really helped me was, you know, not following people that are insulting, mm-hmm. attacking others, mm-hmm. not reading any of that. And to me, it's two-part. It's A, because I think, you know, if you do nothing and you keep supporting people that behave this way, you're in a way, you're part of the problem. Bad things yeah. happen when good people do nothing. But more importantly, to me, I, I look at it as a selfish way. It's like, this is what helps me. If I don't expose myself to people that are negative, I become more positive. I genuinely believe eventually you become the energy you surround yourself with. And if you're around positive people, and this is why I like so much talking to you and even just exchanging a message here or there, it's because you and I kind of see it the same way. And for me, I just say, hey, you know, it's just not good for me to be around toxic people. And it does make a huge a difference before you know it when you're not exposed to all this negativity you start thinking a lot more positive and that's how i got through a lot of really difficult times in my life and then you know, the good news is you know yeah. if you get past challenges and you've been through so many too it's like you really learn a lot about yourself and oh, you, you learn do. and you know now when i face a new challenge the first thing i do is try to remind myself of a time i faced an even difficult more difficult one and what i did mm-hmm. uh, to get through it so you know in this world it's so easy to become negative especially social media and, yep. you know these are platforms built on outrage and they try to keep you outraged to keep you engaged so you have to realize you know kind of the environment that you're in and for me what's really helpful is to try to be around positive people Mm -hmm. people like you that you know care about others and you know no no happy person spends time insulting others so i also Mm -hmm. have you know some empathy and sympathy for a lot of the people that behave a certain way but then on the other hand it's like you know you're also really doing a lot of damage you never know what the person you're sending a really mean tweet to is going through like you really might be the you know the straw that broke the camel's back without even knowing it just thinking oh i was just bantering Eh, well maybe not so yeah but that's why i'm so glad to have you as a friend for so long you know it's really nice to be able to rely on people like you well i appreciate that big man and listen i honestly think on fettered access to social media we're going to look back at that like it was smoking uh, and see that how toxic this actually is, especially to young kids. Because when you look at something like Instagram, for example, 
Instagram is so dehumanizing, right? Because what it does do is it teaches young girls that their value is based solely on how they look and how sexualized they are. And then it teaches them to crave likes. And one day, and if their friend gets one more like than they do or gets a like from a guy that they like, it is the end of the world, right? Yeah. And this is what is amplified. And so women are petrified as they grow older, which then teaches them they need to be unhappy. They need to need plastic surgery. They need a nice car. They need a nice home. You're not allowed to be happy until you have any of this. And then, of course, it also leads to the toxic uh, aspect of men because men are judged on their income and their job status, which leads to this insane no days off nonsense because I'm not yeah. allowed to be happy until I reach a certain income level and a certain, certain status level most of whom well you'll never reach and if you ever do you'll find out that uh this is a that you've been cheated because you'll feel yeah. exactly the same way as you do when you get there and and, and all Absolutely. you ever notice is that all you ever notice is the transition between two states once you normalize it it feels exactly like it did before and so for me honestly Dave, i think that when it comes to social media and i've looked i've been on there a long time and i've looked at how i've changed over the years because there's certain things I did 10 years ago I would never do today. Oh, I'm the same boat right. completely. Yeah. So you could go back into my tweets from 2012 and find something that I'd be utterly mortified by today and go, I can't believe I actually said that to someone. Because yeah. I've learned a lot over the years about how to communicate with people and how my words impact people. And, and you know, when you have a large following, it's very easy to have pylons. And you criticize someone and then there's hundreds of people coming at someone with 56 followers. It's totally unfair. And so, um, and even how I react to abuse, most of the time I will completely ignore it because for the reason that you just said, it's either someone extremely unhappy or it's someone who's 14, 15. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I think about, I have 14, 15 year old, a 15 year old, and I can't imagine a grown adult you know, coming at them like they would at me and not recognizing that he's a kid, right? So, yeah, I definitely think it's it's really tragic. Uh, it's great to hear you've adopted meditation. Um, for me, uh, self-analysis of meditation and philosophy have been so important because it teaches me, I can see how cyclical my thoughts are and what's triggering negativity yeah, and yeah, how to absolutely. stop that and how to have... And one of the things I changed in my life that, have, that made a huge difference was expectation expectation of positive outcomes instead of expectation of negative outcomes and that taught me gratitude for what i have but it also taught me to look forward to the future instead of dreading it and that like just working on that expect positive expect positive things to happen because negative things become a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways you attract that energy into your life you expect negative negativity you all you almost always get it so to me i think uh you know, it's about my attitude towards life in general, my expectation, and making sure that I'm also empathetic to how my mood affects everybody around oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? And so, you know, even on social media, like, uh, I try, I'm not perfect. We're advocates of mental health. I don't know how to stop being human, so I'll still be a, an asshole occasionally, and I, I do, do regret that later on. Yeah, but what I love about Phil is that you don't want to be, and you feel mm. bad after, and I feel Absolutely. the same way. And it's like sometimes people will send me tweets from, you said 10 years, or someone will send me tweets from four or five years ago, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said Correct. that. And I'm like, but then I remember that I was in an angry, fearful place, and I was 
so yeah, and I love what you said, learning about your patterns. And again, I go back to the fact that in life, things are gradual. And if you stop things before they really get uh, the critical things, it's in a much better place. So yeah, yeah, these are all really great tips. I Well, I look at so many of my toxic relationships in the past and things that I've done to people or maybe have cheated on a woman or done something stupid. It was never about them. It was about what was going inside of me. It was about what yeah. was broken inside of me. And I've had to apologize to a lot of people in my past where I'm like, this was nothing to do with you. This had to do with my own issues. And I'm really sorry. And acknowledging that, I think that's really, really important. As you know, I've, you know, I had I've fought addiction and all that there. And I'm completely humble about mental health, about other people suffering. And I really don't understand why we live in a world where so many people are so averse to alleviating other human beings suffering. Like, there's such pejorative dehumanizing terms to describe entire groups of people because when you dehumanize someone, you can justify anything towards Mm -hmm. them. And I I, I don't understand. I have to assume that is a reflection of other people's pain and unhappiness on the inside. I totally agree. I totally agree. It has to be short. So tell me, uh, I don't want to keep up too, up too much of your time. Tell me about uh, your meditation. So what, 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 what are you doing? Are you downloading apps? Or so what are you doing? I do, I do two apps. I love the calm app and I love uh, headspace. I got into meditation with headspace. Uh, really good. So I try to do uh, three or four a day of those. I love, you can do some while walking, which are really good. And then I would really recommend a great book called the power of now, which Uh, To me, was a lot of my, you know, I've been doing meditation three, four years, and I read this book last year. I had some experience with it, and it really opened my eyes to, you know, being focused on the present moment, like being focused just Mm -hmm. on this conversation with you, because at the end of the day, that's all we have is the present moment. And in a lot of ways, you know, spending time thinking about the past or worrying about the future really a waste of time i'm not saying people shouldn't make plans it's really important i Mm -hmm. make plans but it's really important to be present in the moment and i found that has been really helpful to me to alleviate stress and anger and whatnot is uh, just trying to be present so if anyone's struggling i would definitely recommend trying those apps and then reading this book the power of now Uh, i found it incredibly beneficial and really practical advice on how to deal with life yeah you i don't know as uh sam harris's app i also love his podcast and i listen to alan watts which is an incredible philosopher and uh i I don't want to name drop here uh, forgive me for a second, but uh, one of the <laughs> things that I had a lot in common with Mike Tyson was Alan Watts, because he was struggling, still struggling badly with uh, grief and depression from the death of his daughter, which of course was something that we had in common. And um, he was more impressed by my knowledge of Alan Watts than he was of boxing. And uh, very, very I love it. Like guy. Tyson's my favorite athlete ever. I met him in Vegas once at an event. I loved seeing you and him together. It's so awesome. I, 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 you know, knowing, I mean, I met him once and I know you pretty well. I could totally see how you guys. It was amazing. Man. It off. And, and look, I understand that people are critical of his past and everything. For it's up to each and every individual to make their own judgments about people. I fully understand that. Uh, but that for me, it was an amazing experience to be around a human being who uh, also really disowned most of his past. And I'm talking about even the glorious parts of it, where he was like, 
that's not me anymore. I don't even recognize that athlete. And it's almost like it didn't happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I really encourage anyone listening to this uh, to look at therapeutic aspects for your mental health, not just pharmacological, to look at things like for meditation, sure. to look at things like diet, to look at things like exercise, because these things are so important to, to getting uh, mentally happy. Um, one or two other questions before we go. Um, are you worried about this, about society going forward? I, I am. But, you know, on the other hand, Phil, it's like one thing that I try to remember is like Twitter and like the news in a lot of ways is not always real life. I yes. try to remember how news and social media are geared to outrage and making people feel mentally superior to others because that's what drives engagement yes. so i will tell you when i read the news when i follow things it's very easy to get very discouraged on the other hand i will tell you the fact that there are so many young people that seem much more open to being uh, understanding of mental health and how people treat each other that does give me a lot of hope and I always try mm -hmm. to remind myself that interactions in Twitter I shouldn't take that as like what real life is so I, I am concerned though overall there's no doubt about it I just see a, a world where there's a lot of anger a lot of resentment and maybe for good reason you know I think you know without getting too much into it you know I'm 44 I feel like young people I look at like the cost of housing and where the world know, is it's, it's very easy to get depressed right it's like mm -hmm. i can't help but think i think of you know the way i grew up and my opportunities and all and i wonder you know is this going to be available to many other people so yeah look it's uh, it's very look it's very easy to get depressed and cynical but i'm gonna have some hope with all the young people really trying to be different and you know looking at race in a totally different ways than our generation growing up so i try to have hope uh with that yeah I, you know with on that i think what concerns me um <clears throat> is our center is gone because every single issue now has been taken by the liberal media or conservative media immediately become pulled apart they divide people yeah. <clears throat> And they have a zero-sum game of, of every we have we're 100 right, they're 100 wrong, yeah. and you must hate the other side. And I mean, even with these vaccines, right? I'm I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm 100 pro-vaccine, but I certainly wouldn't adopt an opinion that if you don't get vaccinated, you can't get treated in the same way that if an addict who defied medical science uh, should be treated in the same way that people who eat too much and defy medical science should be treated in the same way people who drink too much and defy medical science should be treated. I don't want to live in a world where we don't care about each other and we distaste each other for each other's personal views. And I really despair that politicians play the short game. They don't care how misinformed their, their demographic is. As long as they get reelected, they use the media yeah. to, to pacify people. And we now live in a world where adults are more interested in having their prejudices and biases pacified than letting out a truth that offends them. And I, I really, really, really worry about that epistemological problem um, and what that's going to lead to. And, uh, you know, the natural sequelae of that. So I just think it's very, very concerned, concerning. Um, but uh, anyway, mate, we'll go ahead and leave it there. 
Dave, it's always brilliant to talk to you. Starting 2022 as well. I hope you have an amazing 2022. Don't forget to check out this amazing man's podcast, Calcium Land, uh, which uh, is well, well worth the download. He's well worth the follow. And uh, it's always amazing to have you on. I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you, brother. Phil, I can't thank you enough, man. Just seeing you and talking to you was wonderful. Always fun uh-huh. talking football with you. And thank you for being such a good friend. So you, brother. look forward a... to doing more shows with you this year. All Absolutely. Best, have friend. a great weekend, Dan. Take bye. care, my Say friend. Bye. Great seeing you. Two.